Welcome to A Day in the Life. My name is Thomas Galloway. Today's guest is John Hyla, mayor of Ames, Iowa. We spent time talking about his background starting an architecture firm, as well as other steps that led him to where he is today. I really enjoyed this interview. We started talking about things that you might not expect from an interview with a person in politics. We were talking about life and how to find fulfillment in our jobs, in our community, and in family life. I felt like we could have talked about this stuff for another 45 minutes. If you enjoyed this interview, please subscribe and share with a friend. If you're interested in law or politics, check out the Galloway Law Podcast as well. And now, to the interview. I'd like to start just by going through your career path, starting with your education here at Iowa State. How long do we have? Two, three hours? <laughs> three hours is all we want. Yeah. You know, I, I actually went to uh, <clears throat> junior high and high school in Southern California. Okay. And I was headed to go to Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo to study architecture. Okay. And that was back in 70, 71. And my dad ended up getting a job in Des Moines. Okay. And so our family's going to move out here after I graduated from high school. Right. And I didn't want to be in California, my family being here in, in, in Iowa. So he said, hey, I think there's a university here in Iowa. Uh, yeah, funny story, I thought that all the uh, corn that was grown in Iowa was sweet corn, you know. I right. thought, man, how can you? Anyway, so <laughs> anyway, so ended up applying to Iowa State, got accepted in the architecture program. That was in 1972, and then graduated in the Back then, we were on quarter system, not on the uh, semester system. Right. And graduated in the uh, fall quarter of uh, 76. It was okay. actually, uh, took me a little longer to get through the architecture program. Right. So, anyway, um, I ended up getting a job in uh, Des Moines working for an architect. Okay. And my, I met my wife at Iowa State. I'm getting married in 77. She had a job in, in Boone. That's all good. Had a job in Boone, and uh, we were the proverbial one car, two uh, two jobs. Right. So uh, fast forward, I ended up getting a job in Boone a year later with a guy that had a degree in architectural engineering. Okay. Worked for him for nine years, and then he announced one day in 1985, "You can either buy me out uh, or find a different job." But I'm retiring in March of '86. Uh, so I got a lot of counsel from people that I respected that were, had a lot of wisdom. Um, weighed it heavily. Never had aspired to own my own company. Okay. But um, it kind of intrigued me, and business, fortunately, kind of came you know naturally to me. Right. And so I started my own company in architecture and engineering in 1986 over in Boone. And uh, my wife and I both were very... Uh, involved and active in the Ames community. Even though we lived in Boone, um, we were involved with the faith community here, had lots of friends from college. Uh, I think as a the, this, as people will probably find out, the friends you make in college uh, and very shortly thereafter really become lifelong friends and those connections are very strong. Yeah. So anyway, our company was growing in the early to mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. And then in 2009, we decided to move the company over to Ames right. because we were growing. We needed more professional um, staff, wanted to grow our business, wanted to have an opportunity to work with Iowa State. So we actually moved our company 
<clears throat> September of 2009, okay. hard to believe nine years ago, um, to Campus Town. And we were intentionally moved to the Campus Town so that we could be um, close to the to the university. Campus Town was going to go through some redevelopment. And wanted to have the affordability, much like Kingland does for right. computer programmers. We want to be close to campus to try and attract interns uh, yeah. for our company. And uh, so <clears throat> then we became a victim of redevelopment. Our company did. We were in the right. second floor of a bank building. We were actually located where 2320 yeah, right, yeah. is located now. And uh, the building got sold. And we became an orphan. <laughs> and fortunately, that was in 2012, I think, 2012, 2013. Okay. Well, 2013. And um, we thought, well, where do we want to go in, in Ames? And we ended up locating in the basement right. of uh, the chamber. They had some okay. empty space. Gotcha. And it gave us some time to kind of determine where we wanted to go. But we wanted to be in the downtown area. Right. So we were able to find a building. Um, in downtown and remodeled that and moved in oh my gosh it was three or th over three years ago I think so gotcha. anyway so I grew the company from from I uh, was I started out with uh, secretary and me to right. uh, we had about 13 14 people but about uh, 12 13 years ago I hired three guys and with the vision of mentoring them to become future business owners right and in uh, 2016, actually two years ago, uh, last month, I sold the company to the next generation of leaders, and now I consult with them half-time, right. and that freed me up to um, consider serving the community in a different capacity. Right. So as far as the uh, architectural firm, was there a point that you, early on, you thought, like, this is not going to work? This is <laughs> We're not going to make it. Oh, early on or actually through the whole process? <laughs> Anytime. Oh, I think that you talk to any small business owner, you're going to find that there's time. I, I joked a lot that uh, I, you should keep in my, my bottom drawer an application, application for being a bag boy at Fairway. I mean, uh, there was times where it's just, uh, I mean, it was, you get stressed out. I mean, being a, I have so much respect for people that are sp small business owners. Uh, it's, it is the economic engine for our country, right. not just our community, but our country. And um, I believe that we employ the vast majority of um, employees. And you, you think about the Procter & Gamble's and the big mm -hmm. companies, the, the Googles, the Apples, right. um, important, very important you know, companies. But they're um, they're not the, the the heart and the soul of uh, our country. It's the small business people. But it's um, um yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's times where I mean, did I ever think that wasn't going to make it? No, because I know how hard I was working right. and just had this conviction that um, uh, we could make it work. And if it didn't, then we'll have to find something else. Um, kind of a funny story is that. Um, I got advice from a, from a, my accountant and from my attorney before I started the company, and so I think it was two years in. We were doing our you know year end financials, and he said, "I said, so how's it look?" He says, "Well, I'll let you know in five to seven years." And I said, what, "What do you mean?" He says, "Well, you know, most businesses do fail." Right. 
Uh, I mean, a, a huge majority of them fail in the first year. Yeah. And then, um, then the next break point is like in years two or three, and then it goes to, but it says if a business can get through seven years, you know, like a, a business cycle, um, you'll be fine. Great. So I thought, okay. So on year seven, I said, so okay, year seven, how am I looking? <laughs> I says, well, I'll give another year or two. So, <laughs> so it became a running joke. And then finally in, in year 10, I says, well, now what do you think? I says, I think you're gonna make it. So anyway. <laughs> But uh, the hardest, um, some of the hardest things to do as a small business person, I believe, is one is hiring your first employee mm-hmm. because you're taking on somebody else. They're expecting a salary and pay, and right. you're not generating a whole lot of revenue, you know, early on. Um, so that's kind of. But after you get through that that first hurdle. The second one's a little easier. The third one's a little easier, and all of a sudden you realize I need staff. Right. You know, and so you need to get used to that. But um, being a small business person, I I'm, I'm very serious. You do everything from um, vacuuming the carpets to writing the paychecks, and the illusion that small business owners are able to um, take off whenever they want to. They mm-hmm. you know it's easy street is a, uh, a true fallacy. Um, when, you're, when you're busy, you're just stressed and trying to figure out how you get your work done. Right. And then if all of a sudden there's not as much work, you're scrambling to figure out how you're gonna get work. And my mm-hmm. wife always, I mean, she understood why, but say, you know, you're kind of slow at work, just take a little bit of time off. And I say, you know, honey, I just, <laughs> I gotta find you know, more work. And she, she knew it and she was very supportive. And that's right. one thing you need to have is a very supportive, wife, partner, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, you need to have people that are very understanding. My wife and my two sons are very, very understanding right. and uh, very supportive. Um, and it took, it took several decades before you finally get over the curve where you say, okay, now I, am I doing, you know, well, but I can start sharing a little bit of the, you know, right. you're building up some of the spoils, but there's, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of work. It can be very fulfilling and rewarding, but it also um, it's not for the faint of heart. Right. Is there much element of marketing in that business as far as getting clients or getting Yeah, projects? good question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you want to grow a company, you have to market. Right. Um, frankly, that was probably the one thing I disliked the most right. was actually going out. Uh, cold calls... Um, I don't think I got, I think maybe I got one job in 30 some years. Of getting, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's absolutely not fun. Um, we were very fortunate. Um, over 90% of our work was repeat business. You okay. just build the clientele. Um, word of mouth is, mm-hmm. and certainly uh, the best um, reference is always uh, someone recommending you to somebody else, like a school superintendent right. or a satisfied client in a, in a church or whatever. Because um, then you try. The whole goal is to try and get in and not have to interview for a job. Right. You want to be the one selected ahead of time. Right. And uh, and we got a few jobs that uh, we had a consultant recommend us to an okay. owner, and then we came in on their coattails. And all of a sudden, then as time went on, um, we became the lead. Because usually an architect is usually the lead in a project, and then right. they'll hire a mechanical engineer, electrical engineer. Um, civil, landscape, um, 
planning, kitchen consultants, and the like. Right. Um, but obviously, we kept um, always used that same consultant because mm-hmm. they helped us get the job. And they they were able to continue serving the client as well too. Right. So. On your portfolio, I saw a number of uh, school buildings mm-hmm. and relate uh, school related buildings. Yep. Was that a, a direct intention of your business, or it just kind of happened that way? It was the latter. latter. It kind of happened that way. Um, I say a lot of firms in Iowa rely heavily on the K twelve okay. market. Um, frankly, in the two thousand seven and eight, when we you know had the great re- recession, right. we were extremely fortunate. We only had one job, but it was a brand new high school for Ballard, right. That's and that was a twenty two one of the larger projects we've you know we ever took on. Mm-hmm. And so that kept us busy through most of seven and into eight, right. and able to keep. <clears throat> we had six full-time people at that time. Didn't have to lay anybody off, but we were able right. to keep busy. But um, the the blessing was we didn't have any other work, right. so we could dedicate our Everybody, time yeah. on that and get it done. And then after we started coming out, then some of our school districts started coming through. Um, people don't understand. Uh, years ago, when when the state ad- adopted the one cent, the one penny sales tax, right. which is called the school infrastructure local option tax (SILO), or now it's a different acronym, um, that helped a lot of contractors and helped a lot of um, design firms uh, keep their head above water because that was still money coming in and revenue, and consequently, the school districts got some tremendous buys on their uh, on their building projects right. um, we were budgeting like 23 24 million dollars for this high school and it came in at like 19 million dollars I mean it's just um, I was trying to figure out how we can keep it under budget right. and it came in like five million dollars <laughs> under budget so I mean they just got they got a huge buy on it so they they right. benefited and and we certainly did too right one thing I've started to realize is just in any kind of project that the greatest moment of satisfaction isn't always like when you get it completed. Sometimes it's the early parts when you're like making a amount of progress. Was there? Uh, what was your greatest moment of satisfaction in having your business? What it made? Was it finally feeling like you made it, so to speak, or was it like early on those first big steps? Oh, in terms of business success, or in terms of uh, the actual each individual project? Is it? Just uh, business success as a whole. Um. I'm a very relational person, mm-hmm. and so to from time to time I just sit back and look at the 10, 12, 14 people that are working right. you know, with me um, as a team and realizing that being able to build something that actually helps provide for the needs of their individual families, right. um, that was very satisfying. Um, I never was driven by money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just not a uh, got to maximize profit. Um, right. So um, we I measured our success as a company by was a client satisfied? Mm-hmm. Did we deliver value to them? Did we bring the project in under budget? Um, did the people that use the building uh, celebrate it and just say, "Wow, this just really elevates." You know our our experience. Right. Um, back to the Ballard High School, 
Um, they were in a 1960s vintage building. They moved into this new one. The principal indicated that they had a hard time getting students to run for student government, to get involved in different clubs, move into the new building. All of a sudden, people are just, they're just, they're having elections with you know, five, six, eight people wanting to be class officers. It just evoked this whole sense of, uh, you know, of uh, school pride. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very, you know, enriching and satisfying. Right. And um, so in terms of the actual business success, I never really sat back and thought, hmm, I finally have made it, or I just feel it's more or less the fact that able to provide for others and for our family, you know, as well too. Um, but it does come with it does come with quite a price. I mean, there's there's a tremendous amount of stress. I don't want to scare people away from doing it because there's probably a lot of entrepreneurs and people that are very interested in. Right. Um, undertaking businesses, and I encourage them to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the, the earlier in your life, the better, because then if something doesn't go well, you got a chance to rebound. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and it's finding something that you can do that people feel like they want to purchase. Right. You know your services, um, provide them uh, with something that they can't do on their own. Mm-hmm. I saw the Redikers project mm-hmm. in the portfolio as well. What was that like? Well, that was int- that was interesting because the owner had a uh, a set budget in mind, and actually, when they were they first were looking at a different consultant, um, the budget was like almost double what they wanted to to spend. Right. And uh, they actually had a good relationship with the contractor, and uh, some of our best some of our best references are actually contractors mm-hmm. who we work with because they like working with us and now we're going to be straight with them we're not going to be their buddy because you, 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 we work for the owner right. not for the contractor right. so it actually kind of we, we approached it more from a standpoint of working with finally the, the owner um, did ask us to, to help you know help them mm-hmm. do the project and then they started talking about well how are you going to deliver it you going to get bids from multiple people or negotiate it with one company and they kind of wanted both. They wanted to have the ability to get the lowest price, <laughs> and they wanted multiple people bidding on it. And so anyway, we ended up um, calling in a contractor that they had a lot of trust for, yeah. and then they ended up um, saying that they could. we did some initial designs. They said we can do it for what they wanted to spend, right. and then it became a real excellent you know, team approach between the contractor and our office, working back and forth to come up with a project that stayed within the owner's budget. And um, and then also uh, the contractor was motivated. He wanted to keep. He, he started in the fall, I think it was. He wanted to keep his, his crews busy during the winter time, so uh, he was pushing to get the job done. But it was a it was a good partnership, and I I think that uh, from what I've heard, the uh, owner's business is, has gone up significantly. Um, as as far as I'm concerned, as long as a business a business a client's business sees growth and success then in my opinion the uh, the project's a success right. um, you don't want to design something and have them go out of business or have a school um, you know, kids not liking it or not being inspired by it right so I'd like to ask some questions about Cyride mm-hmm. when did they start planning the recent change they implemented several years ago we as a board, we're talking about how much our ridership had grown. Mm-hmm. Started out, it was 
I forget exactly what it was, but it was pretty minuscule. And every year we you know, kept on growing. And then we had 10,000 students come in over the last 10 years. And so ridership um, skyrocketed up to almost 7 million rides a year. And, and I posed the question to the board. I said, you know, it just seems like as you continue to grow, um, there's a business that grew significantly. Um, you keep adding routes. And the question was, was there enough? Did we have the right mix of ridership and routes to serve the needs of the students, who are about 92% of the riders? Right. But also, the, the community puts in about a million and a half dollars a year in taxes. I, can, I think I'm a, a million eight this last go around. Uh, and certainly, students pay uh, quite a bit right. as well, too. In fact, it's interesting that money comes from five different pots. Okay. It comes from the student government, it comes from Iowa State, it comes from the city, it comes from the federal government, it comes from uh, the state DOT. Okay. So we have money coming from these different streams to make up about $11 million budget. So one of the, uh, one of the con, uh, concerns that you know, I had was, are we actually, again, delivering value to our customers, right. the riders? And is there a way to try and get more services to people in the Ames community while still maintaining the excellent service we have for the students? Mm -hmm. And so if we can actually get more streamlined and delivering service to students, maybe we could have some extra leftover to help the the community. So then we ended up uh, hiring a consultant who spent, gosh, time flies by so fast. I think we spent close to a year working with them Mm -hmm. and they stressed and we understood that when you adopt this plan you just don't go out and start making those changes so it was actually I think it was let's see 2.0 came on this year in earnest so it was in 17 it was it was middle of last year middle of 17 that we actually adopted the plan so we actually started in 16 looking at it right. worked with a consultant they did you know pop up events they uh, um, got a lot of you know public input right and then adopted the new route structure and then with the idea that it would roll out and we so we rolled out some of the summer routes in May of 18 mm-hmm. with the idea being that you know doing the branding and the and the promotion um, for an August 1 launch and then um, the other way the other thing is is that with SciRide bus drivers bid every year on routes okay so there's about I think there's about 20 ballparkish 20 full-time bus drivers okay. and the rest of them are part-time and so those full-time right drivers get an opportunity to bid on the routes and then you then it's a seniority process okay and that actually happens in uh i think it starts in january so a couple months right. they'll be bidding on routes for late next year interesting and then in march they finalize the routes and then they have to go ahead and they publish them mm-hmm. so they print all that stuff so there's quite a protracted process so even though we adopted the, the final plan in, uh, sometime in 17, mid-17, we knew it would take over a year to actually get the whole thing you know, implemented and, right. uh, and restructured. Plus, 
um, some of those drivers probably knew those routes by heart. They could probably drive them with their eyes closed. Uh, so you got some driver retraining yeah. uh, as well too. Um, so I'm. I, it's one of my. I'm, I'm pretty proud of that in terms of what the board did, and we did get a few more route uh, services and aims. Not as many as we hoped. Um, what was interesting was that when the consultant came on board, we stressed that we wanted a peer review of SciRide with other bus systems that serve combination city and uh, universities around the country. Right. Let us know how are we doing, and he just raised his hands. And he just said, you don't understand. And we said, we don't understand. He said, you are the standard. We compare everybody in the nation to Cyride. We're that efficient. That's really cool. And so he said, frankly, we'll probably find some tweaks, but I'm not sure that we're going to find whole-scale changes that you're really screwing up on. And he was right. So we found some... Um, we got some new express routes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew that the the west, the southwest, had grown so much. We wanted to get some better service into campus um, right. from there. And then there's some uh, north south express routes through campus that go down the towers. Um, built that new turnabout turnaround by uh, north side of towers, and now okay. buses just go up and down Welch. And that's because citizens didn't want side buses going down Hayward or. Right. Um, or uh, Lynn or Ash, they wanted to keep them, you know, more down the, you know, the main corridor. So uh, it's really a side an amazing yeah. uh, service, and um, we just don't understand uh, how many staff it takes. And mm-hmm. uh, and the biggest challenge is for side is finding bus drivers. Right. How um, many? About how many part-time bus drivers are there? Do you know? I know it's north of a hundred. Okay. I think it. I think that. I have to. I've been I've been away now for almost right. well, not quite a year, but I, for some reason, I think that we're in a hundred and forty to hundred and fifty part-time wow. bus drivers. I think we have one hundred eighty bus drivers. Okay, it gets so bad sometimes that actually, Sherry Kyrus, who is the department head, she runs SciRide. Okay, will be out driving a bus at times. Wow. I mean, we'll actually have the administrative staff out there driving buses because. We don't have, you know, routes to fill. So um, that was something that Warren Madden helped us out a lot. And what we did was, like, students that want to drive part-time for SciRide have the ability to set their schedule before anybody else does. Okay. Um, They got the registrar's office to um, give preferential scheduling for that. Um, We've raised wages. You got, you know, signing bonuses. We're trying to keep up. But um, but it it seemed like a lot of students nowadays... um, don't necessarily want to work really? you know, during school, and that's their prerogative. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to criticize them for that, um, or don't need to work mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, so that's kind of diminished the pool, it seems like, of, of uh, bus drivers. For the full-time drivers, how many routes do they typically do? Is that's a question I'd have to refer you to SciRide. Okay. If you, if, I'll bet right. you could spend a whole a whole podcast on SciRide. It's, sure, it's, yeah. it's a fascinating the history of SciRide and what they do. It's a very uh, it's very uh, intricate. I mean, it's it's like a giant three dimensional chess game. Right. Yeah, I'm fascinated by that. I'll, I'll have to. Yeah, yeah. Time Sherry, with her, yeah. Sherry, do a great job. She'd be a fun person to talk okay, to, and then she's got some uh, great staff that would kind of help fill that in for you too. Mm-hmm. When did you decide that you wanted to do something in public service? 
Well, actually, uh, when we moved the business to Ames, I wanted to really give back to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, saw Ames as being a different community than the one that we had come from. Right. Not that the other one's a bad community. It's just uh, has a different um, energy, vibe, vision. So I got involved with... Uh, on the Chamber of Commerce Board, helped reinvigorate Campus Town Action Association, served as president for a couple of years. Um, through that, was able to uh, interact with uh, Warren Madden, Steve Shanker, city manager, city council, asking for funding, talking about what's going on in Campus Town. Now, it's just to energize by the um, the commitment that the council had demonstrated to. Main Street and then Campus Town, and served on a number of other bo- uh, local boards. And I just um, sense with my, I feel I have leadership skills, mm-hmm. and frankly, running a small business, even though I don't run the city, right? Um, I do. There are some parallels that are similar in terms of interacting with the public, working with. Chairing meetings, I mean, I, I think I figured out that I must have chaired or ran well north of 2,000 meetings, you know, during my career with um, school boards and church boards and counties, and right. I mean, just went on and on. So, um, it's probably after a few years working with Campus Town Action Association that I started thinking, you know, I might be interested in doing, you know, being on city council. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mayor Campbell asked me to serve on the Sideride Board, and that really got me um, uh, very much energized, seeing the city and the university working together. Right. And then a couple of years ago, I went to Manhattan, Kansas, with a peer city tour with the chamber, and city folks went down, saw the campus and the city and the county, and Fort Riley, and the school district, and downtown, and campus town, all working together. Right. And I thought, you know, this is, the the structure and the desires exist in right. Ames. And I wanted to be part of it. And I also was um, enthralled with the council members that were on council. I thought they really wanted the best for the city. So initially I was thinking about running for city council. Sure. And, um, I didn't sell a company in order to run for uh, office. Right. I just it was just time to um, it was just time to sell the company. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when the fire in the belly is gone, right. then it's time that it wasn't going to help the next generation really be energized or excited. And uh, when you're a sole proprietor for thirty, well over you know I think it's a little over thirty years. Uh, you can get worn out you know, mm-hmm. after a while. So, um, uh, Peter Rosam was a council member, okay. pre- professor of uh, economics at Iowa State, and he and I talked a couple times. And I thought, you know, he's, he's, he was my ward council member. Okay. He said he was going to not run again in 17, that he'd be done at the end of 2017. So I've been toying with the idea, and then I was talking to someone who actually was thinking about running for mayor. And long story short, um, um, a couple people invited me over for coffee at their house, and I thought that, and one of them was this guy who was going to run for mayor. I thought that he was going to say, I'm going to run for mayor, and 
I want you to run for council. And mm-hmm. uh, so when I came back from the meeting, my wife says, well, was it what you expected? And I said, well, you better sit down, honey. <laughs> they want me to run for mayor. And uh, the more I thought about it, and I, I talked to about 70 to 80 people over wow. over two and a half month time period and just said, don't talk me into it. Talk me out of it. But help me think through. Right. And uh, it was unanimous. Everyone said you'd do a great job. It, it's, it, you know, Ames is poised at, a, at the point where you could really bring some, you know, uh, beneficial skills and talents to the table. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in mid-February, I started going to all the council meetings and listening. And the more I listened, you know, the more energized I got. And right. I really liked what I, what I saw. And uh, I, I believe that... I believe that everyone has a moral obligation to give back to their community. I really do. And one of the things that I'm, I've been talking to a number of people at Iowa State and Iowa State leadership is, is how can we um, provide opportunities for students to be to experience what Ames has to offer mm-hmm. you know, on a community standpoint. Full disclosure, when I was on campus, I now back then. It, if you had any kind of a, of a special gift, it was you had a gift of a vehicle. <laughs> people did very, very very few people had had uh, owned cars and brought them to uh, school back in the mm-hmm. early '70s. Um, and usually, if someone that did would have like ten people p- pile into their car to go up to you know North Grand Mall and do some shopping or go someplace for church for sake of discussion. That wasn't close to campus. Okay. Um, lost my ball in the woods. Where was I going with this? Um, the main street, like connection between downtown and campus town, or the yeah, I sorry, I, okay. I distracted okay. myself. So. It's been going a while. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so anyway, um, so I was going to wait. I waited until Mayor Campbell announced right. that she was not going to run, and I knew from talking to her, she was one of the persons I talked to, mm-hmm. that she was not going to run. I would never run against her. She, I had too much respect. She was my mayor. She's okay. the one that I really looked up to, and. Um, but she had she had served the community admirably. She was on council for sixteen years, and then she was mayor for twelve. So I mean, she really put a lot of time in to get back to the community. So, right. so yeah, it, it's been a it's been a growing um, interest. All I know, I said, was um, I believe that all citizens have a moral responsibility and obligation to give back, and we want to have students have the opportunity to serve on boards and commissions. That's mm-hmm. an opportunity. Um, and we want to make it more visible. So we're working, we're starting to talk to uh, uh, Lawrence and Alex, Alex at the Daily about how can we try and get you know the, the word out um, more, what, what the opportunities are. Uh, we're going to meet with student government twice a year now versus once a year. So our, we're going to meet on the 14th of November uh, with councils coming to meet with the Senate and um, just talk about you want to talk about things that are positive and proactive and not necessarily only meet if there's an issue that comes up essentially. Right. Um, but unfortunately, it seems like a lot of people are content to just, you know, take but not give back. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the flip side, the students that I've met really are interested in the community and they are interested in giving back. And my gosh, you have so many top-notch individuals I've met a number just serving on the side board and Juan Juan Bilboni and I were on the board together yeah. uh, had the highest respect for him met with Julian and and, uh, and Juan um, for about an hour hour and a half a few weeks ago had a delightful time and just really got some 
uh, a lot of energy, right. and uh, right. they're great. They're 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 really good leaders, and they got some real good vision for the you know campus. So you guys are in good hands, right. you know, right. there as well too. So, um, and I really I like networking with people. Right. So the school district, Dr. Winterstein and I, and city manager and Pam Elliott Kane, the vice president for business and finance, um, meet quarterly. Meet with the school district uh, superintendent and board president quarterly. Uh, just trying to start getting a, a feeling for what's going on in the community and how can we make people feel like they're you know welcome and part of the community. Um, right. Knowing that most probably won't stay in Ames. I mean, right. I wish we, I wish everyone would, but they probably won't. Uh, I hope we can send forth leaders or future leader community leaders. Um, to new communities where they get businesses, mm-hmm. and I would say I, I'm a, I'm a, I have a, a richer, fuller life, being involved in what's going on. In the community. And there's so many things going on, and honestly, you, right. if people say well, Ames is kind of a dead town or there's not a whole lot going on, if you really, if you really dig not too deep, you'll find there's stuff going on right. all the time. Now, maybe yeah. it's not always what you're interested in. I get that. Right. It's how much you involve yourself, too. If you dive into it, it'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. I also understand when you're going to school, you're paying, you know, investing in yourself and education. I get it. It takes a lot of time, Mm -hmm. and that's your highest priority. So I understand that, and you're building friendships and enjoying, you know, life. So I'm not critical in any way, but it's something that uh, I'm really... I, I have some ideas of ways to try and even improve the communication between student body and and the city so they feel like you're really you know warm and welcome because we um over half the st- half the population are students right yeah. and city council and i there two city council members and the mayor are elected at large so right. we represent every person so i represent you every individual every student and i want to be able to represent you you know and what is of your interest now doesn't mean that you're going to get everything you want. <laughs> I can't be Walmart, all things to all people. Um, but I think there's opportunities to try and listen and, and engage. Mm-hmm. How has what your expectation of the role of mayor being, has that changed since you started? Uh, the expectation? Or what your role would be. Yeah, no, I, I think it's pretty, I had a pretty good idea especially with, talking to you know, yeah talking yeah. to a lot of people yeah. um i spent met probably with um well i met with all council members three times mm-hmm. during the election process to understand what were important things to them you know, the first question i asked them was are you interested in running if you are i wasn't going to run against them because right. you know they in a way they kind of paid some of their dues none of them were interested in running um and I met with Mayor Campbell uh, a number of times to just understand what the job entailed, talk to other people you know, in the city as well, too. I had a pretty good handle on what what was going to be required. Probably the biggest people asking what's what's been the most surprising thing is it, it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. There's no way that I could, that I personally could serve as mayor and own a business at the same time. Right. I just... Something's going to suffer, right? And um, it'd probably be the role of the mayor because the business is going to trump because I have I'm paying. I'm, <laughs> that's got to be successful. Yeah. Uh, now I do know there are some mayors in the Des Moines area that work full time, and then they also work 20, 25 hours a week 
as mayor in addition, and um, but they don't have much of a life beyond that. Mm-hmm. I asked one guy who's a works for a pretty prestigious law firm in uh, Des Moines. He's mayor of uh, Urbandale, I think it is. Yeah. Anyway, I said, "Do you work full time?" He says, "Oh yes." He said. How many hours a week do you put in as mayor? He says, oh, at least 20. I said, wow, do you have much time yourself? He says, no. My wife knows that I'm not at the office downtown Des Moines. I'm probably at the, the mayor's office, essentially. So, I mean, the, the disadvantage is there's a lot of things that do go on during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do a radio show with Trent Rice um, at least two times a, a month. Um, there's speaking engagements. There's different functions. There's meetings. Um, right. Even our you know time here. I mean that right. that all um, it's hard to fit that all in you know at mm-hmm. nights or weekends. And uh, and plus, um, I have two sons. They both live here in town. I have eight grandkids. Uh, my wife and I uh, are actively involved you know in their lives as well as right. uh, a faith community as well as. Uh, other personal interests and activities and so in order for me personally to balance all of that mm-hmm. uh, it works best to work part-time for I still consult half-time with uh, the company I founded right. um, and gives me just a little bit of free time but um, so it, I, I found a good balance that I'm, that I'm comfortable with at this point in time right yeah that leads nicely into my last question which is do you have any general philosophy on how you handle the day-to-day routines that certain things that you makes you get in every single day or every single week? How do you balance everything and just things you've learned over the years have helped you form a daily routine? Well, you got to keep your priorities in mind. That's the first thing is have clear in your own mind and some you know, guiding principles. Right. Um, and um, there's... As a, if you really are focusing on small businesses, I think you have to be prepared for the fact that um, probably your mistress <laughs> is going to be your business. Um, uh, it's it's going to demand time. It's going to it's going to demand uh, your attention. Sometimes in very inconvenient you know times, um, but. I was also very committed to our family, and so being a small business did allow me to do a little bit of flexibility and some scheduling of time. So right. I was able to coach little league, you know, with my sons when they're you know, spend time with them at you know nights and and weekends. I didn't do a lot of traveling. I chose not to take jobs that were you know um, out of state that required you know flying or whatever. Yeah. I have some friends that work for national firms that. And they'll fly overseas, and they won't see their families for you know for a, you know at least a few days, if not a, a week or more. You know, routinely right. to take care of projects. Um, that comes with some you're, you're compromising something. Right. Um, and then um, our our faith community is you know is really important, and also so my relationship with my wife as well too. So it's trying to keep that. It, it's just it's it's a mental juggling act. Mm-hmm. Um. And routine is helpful uh, as well. Um, But there's been times where business would crowd out some other things and my wife would have to sit me down and (laughs) say this isn't working really well and uh, let's let's, let's talk about this. Um, I think that... um, I I also describe the fact that it's important that we as individuals 
there's four areas of our lives we need to you know focus on. And one is individually, which would include your you know, your work. Mm-hmm. Then you have your family. Then you have your community, and then you have your you know the world essentially. Right. And um, people who concentrate on just one area or two areas. Let's just say you, you become a world activist. You know, you, and you're really concerned about issues that are really important. Right. But you do that to the sacrifice of other things. Um, there's been people that maybe you're even aware of them that have become very successful in business. Uh, they're divorced, their kids are renegades, whatever. To me, that's not a success. That's a that's a, a failure on, on their part in the area of family. Right. Um, they sacrifice that on the altar of you know work. So it's finding and understanding where can you make a difference, um, and that's where. That's probably why I'm partly fulfilled at this point, is that individually, family, community, global is a little harder to right. get, your, get your mind wrapped around it. I think that trying to do things that are um, sustainable, um, sensitive to the climate, um, things that are uh, energy conservation to, you know, trying to, to be good stewards of our, of our, of our resources is important. Um, but that's the hardest one to kind of get your mind wrapped <laughs> yeah, around it, essentially. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it's it's becoming disciplined and just saying no, I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna spend ninety hours a week, right. you know, working. And that's where it comes into hiring employees is to try and hire enough people. And that, I was also very committed through my entire business career is to saying, I don't want you as employees working. Um, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Right. If you are, I'm going to send you home, you know, or something wrong. Yeah. So they got used to the fact that, you know, you might have some 45-hour weeks, you know, or someone just worked from 5 or 7.30 to 5.30, you know, five days a week, and they just, they wanted to do that, you know. Try to avoid the evening meetings if you can. Um, I paid the price, but then I also own the company. Right. and the, the successors are all of a sudden realizing it's not quite as easy as it looked. <laughs> in fact, I think in the last few months they said, uh, there's three of us. How'd you do all of this? I said, well, <laughs> now you know why I was getting worn out and it was just time to make a change. But uh, it's, um, if you said, if you asked me, and you didn't, but if you did, um, <laughs> would you do it over again? I think so. Yeah. I would. Um would I do some things differently? Possibly. But mm-hmm. uh, you have to be nimble and agile and flexible and realize. And that's the other thing is that for those that are listening that are, you know, are potential entrepreneurs is that there is an ebb and flow to business. Right. Businesses go through cycles. Right now we're enjoying an amazing, you know, nine-year run on the stock market. And, I mean, there's just a lot of positivity and say what you want to about our current president there's a lot we can say pro and con he has engendered a lot of positivity in the marketplace and people are believing in you know in that i don't agree with a lot of stuff he's doing Mm -hmm. that's immaterial the point is that's helped propagate that um but it's not going to be forever it's we're going to we're going to hit a recession we're going to or not we're going to have some dips we're going to hit a bear market um our bear markets come in small businesses, and uh, it it's a sucker punch to the gut sometimes. And I, if you got time for one quick story, go for it. We had we were we were in a position where we had 
like five different jobs that we were going to get lined up that I was going to say, I got to double my staff. And this was back in the early 90s, mm-hmm. mid 90s. And um, in the course of four months, every job went in the tank. One was for the uh, Chicago Northwestern Railroad, and Union Pacific bought them out, and boom, that one went away. Uh, school district decided they were not going to go for a bond issue. They are going to basically put it in mothballs for a while. That one went away. Uh, a bond issue for a courthouse renovation uh, got put on hold because of a variety of things. So that one went away. And then there was uh, a couple other things. Not, it wasn't just one day, but it was like every month. And I went from wondering how I'm going to staff all my projects to within five months laying off virtually everybody my on my staff. And I was able to retain secretary part-time and I think one or two other people half-time. Wow. And you talk about a, a sucker punch to the gut. <laughs> for sure. That was my depression and it went for um oh and in the meantime my dad passed away wow so That's a lot. yeah my mom was already, already gone so i was actually executor of an estate on top of that oh my goodness so pretty stressful time the point is is that you learn from it mm-hmm. and through divine providence a job came and another job came able to you know ramp back up right but the biggest the biggest thing that was satisfying to me was every person who I had to lay off. One guy stopped on Friday and he had another job on Monday, so he was he was gainfully employed. Another guy wanted to go back, always go back and finish his master's, so he said, "I'm going to take this opportunity to do that." So he went back to his master's and started his own company. Somebody else said, "No, I want to go. I want. I always wanted to move back to my hometown." So he got a job the next day. I paid zero dollars in unemployment <laughs> and my secretary said I've always wanted to have the summer part time off to be with my husband because he was working in a park mm-hmm. and then the last guy ended up um, he worked part time he worked three days a week for a consultant of ours who was short on staffing he wanted him so he went and did CAD work for him and then he worked two days and so everyone and by the end of the year we got enough work that basically I was able to make myself whole financially right and then we started growing again. So the point is, for your listeners, it's just encouraging is that you're probably going to hit some of those chasms. It's just right. going to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's beyond your control. I mean, if we had done all schools and it all, and I was all concentrated in one area, shame on me, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was just different pieces all over the board. All came together. <laughs> that all just, you know. No worse way. So persevere. Um, surround yourself with great people get some good mentors some good counselors and uh, um, and balance your life that's 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 really a key right yeah, well thank you very much for taking the time oh tonight. my pleasure thanks for asking it's been a joy talking with you appreciate it yeah thank you all right